The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn a sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours here on ESPN. 106.7, it's a beautiful day, hot once again. And at this rate, it'll be hot until Christmas here in the state of Alabama. It is just miserable outside. And so, uh, as I always say, if you're out and about, if you're having to work outside or, or just even walk into your car, uh, stay hydrated, stay cool. It is uh, dangerously hot. I haven't checked the weather recently, but I know there was a threat later on this week about triple digits. Um, there's been some high school football games tomorrow night uh, across the state that have moved back their kickoff times an hour because of the heat advisory and the heat warning that's coming tomorrow. Um, so, it's just crazy times right now here in late August in the state of Alabama. It's nothing new, but man, it is just brutal outside. So hopefully you're staying cool, staying, uh, staying hydrated as well. Um, with those high school movements, though, of course, we are uh, we carry Auburn High School over on Wings 94.3 as of right now, and I'm pretty sure this is going to stay the same. They're playing at Hoover, and the game time is the same. Still playing at 7 o'clock. That'll be uh, going on the air at 6.30 tomorrow night over on Wings 94.3 with Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, and Jack Hutton. So be sure you check that out. But no movement on that game. Uh, but I know a couple of the big games across the state have moved back to kickoff time an hour because of the dangerous heat. Uh, advisory that will be in the state of Alabama tomorrow so it's just crazy right now hopefully it'll cool off at some point uh, but not sure not sure when but have a great show on tap for you today lots to talk about multiple Auburn players on uh, some preseason watch lists some preseason awards uh, some all SEC teams and honors and so we'll talk about that and what that means to be on those preseason lists it's nice to actually see some Auburn guys on these preseason lists uh, for uh, for some of these guys and for the first time in certain positions and so we'll talk about what those mean and what to look forward to with those specific players and position groups here in 2023 we'll have our question of the day talking about some bold projections and college football playoff predictions I want to hear from you when we get to that it's Wednesday so it is rivalry Wednesday if you will here on the show we're talking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 that'll be at 230 getting updates from Athens Georgia and Carson Beck a dark horse for the Heisman I don't know we'll have to talk about that with Jordan Hill coming up in about 30 minutes then later on in hour number two we will compare and rank the difficulty of SEC schedules coming up for this season in 2023. I went through today. I compared all the schedules game by game, week by week, team by team, and I ranked the easiest to the hardest schedules in the SEC. And I'll tell you where I've got Auburn. I'll tell you who's at the top, who's at the bottom, and everywhere in between. And, of course, I want to get your thoughts on that 
as well. So have that coming up in the second hour. Plus, Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us as well. Uh, He'll give us updates from the Alabama Crimson Tide. As we are, folks, 10 days away from the kickoff of Auburn football SEC football. I know it gets going early this weekend uh, for week zero with Vanderbilt. Um, But we're 10 days away from the start of Auburn football, Georgia, Alabama, and all the other SEC schools. So we are right around the corner. And this time next week, we'll be talking to those guys about the game coming up, right, for Georgia and Alabama kicking off the season. So that's what's on tap for today. Uh, Around the guest, as always, would love to hear from you on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Our uh, new fall intern, Michaela, patiently waiting for you on the phones. And so give her a call. We'll get you on the show and would love to talk to you here on a Wednesday afternoon, 334-321-1390. And as I mentioned, 10 days away from the start of Auburn football. And with that, we know all the preseason awards, preseason watch lists, all those types of things. Um, If you're like me, you look at these, you know, so-and-so was named to the preseason watch list for whatever award, right? Or this person was named first team All-SEC preseason. Well, yes, it's an honor, and yes, it's important, and I still think it's worth being talked about, but we're saying all of this and we're making these picks and giving out these honors based off of something that hasn't happened yet. And I think a lot of times, and it's hard not to, and it it 100% plays into this, you're basing a lot of these off of what happened last year with a lot of these players. But then sometimes when you're talking about, you know, all freshman teams like Keldrick Falk, who was named to a preseason freshman All-American list, like, sure, we know Keldrick Falk's going to be good, but you don't know that. You're taking a guess. You're making a prediction, and that's what these are. They are all predictions and guesstimates, and and you're hoping to be right. And at the end of the year, you get the watch list, and you, or you get the actual awards, and you compare to what you did at the beginning. But there's quite a few Auburn guys that have made some, some lists here in the last week or so. And I mentioned Keldrick Falk being a preseason freshman All-American. Uh, we've talked about him, especially with his brother committing yesterday and er, committing this week in the 2025 class. Uh, we have heard such good things about Keldrick Falk on this football team, folks. I mean, he is going to be a really, really special player named to the preseason freshman All-American. Um, he absolutely has a chance to live up to that hype and and be an immediate impact as a freshman on this football team. Looking at some of the other players on the team that have been noted elsewhere, uh, you have five Auburn Tigers that are on all SEC teams from the coaches' poll. So this is the coaches from around the conference voting on all SEC teams. Uh, You have... On the offensive side of the football, you have Cam Stutz on the offensive line, Jarquez Hunter in the running back room, and Luke Deal in the tight end room. You have a defensive representative in Nehemiah Pritchett, and you have a special teams player. How about that? Oscar Chapman, the punter for Auburn, uh, named to all SEC teams from coaches around the league. And I think there's more that should be on here. I think DJ James from the defensive side of the football should be there. Um, I think you will eventually see a wide receiver there. Um, I think you could already name Damari Austin on that. And I think that's what's interesting about this 
is I was just telling you about how at the end of the year we're going to get these all-SEC team accolades. And sure, on the preseason from the coaches, there's five guys from Auburn. I think between first, second, and third team, you could see 15 to 20 guys by the end of it. I really do. I really think you could see anywhere from 15 to 20 guys on all SEC squads by the end of 2023 because there's a lot of talent here, and I think there's a lot of guys that are going to get better and better and better as the season goes on. And I also think there's a lot of guys on this Auburn roster right now that are being maybe not disrespected. They're just unknown. They're unknown right now. Look at that receiver room. We've been begging for weeks to find somebody to step up and be the guy. I'm not worried because I think that'll happen. But once that guy does, or once those guys do, then I think you have an opportunity to see some Auburn wide receivers make all SEC teams. I think Jarquez Hunter will be an all SEC running back. I think Demari Alston will be an all SEC running back. Because I've heard people say this, and it's absolutely true. Damari Alston could start at a handful of SEC teams right now, this year, in 10 days. He could start at a handful of SEC schools in the running back room. I think you have a really good chance to see a starting quarterback in Peyton Thorne be an all-SEC quarterback. Maybe third team, right? A chance to be an all-SEC quarterback. There's some really good ones in this league, though, right? There's some really good quarterbacks in this league Do I think Peyton Thorne will get that accolade by the end of the season? No, but he could push for it. I think you could see some guys on the defensive line for Auburn and on the offensive line. How about that? How about that? What if Auburn were to get numerous offensive linemen on LSEC honors? Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be a turn of events for Auburn football to have some offensive linemen winning awards and getting recognition for their high level of play? But I like this list. Um, Luke Deal being on there, I get it. I think Fairweather is going to be even better at the tight end spot. I think he has a chance to be one of the best tight ends in all of the SEC. And so it's nice to have five guys early on getting honors from the coaches in this conference. But I think by the end of it, you're going to see a lot more. You're going to see a lot more. And I think you're going to see them on all SEC teams. I think you're going to see them in their individual position awards. And one of those is Peyton Thorne, who was named to the Golden Arm Watch List, which is the award uh, that annually recognizes the top senior or upperclassman quarterback that's set to graduate with their class. So an upperclassman quarterback that is on track to graduate, it's a huge list of some of the best quarterbacks in the country that have been playing college football for a little bit. And Peyton Thorne was named to that watch list with about 40 other quarterbacks. But again, it's important to realize he's getting that recognition early on. And are the ex- does that mean he has expectations? Sure. You have expectations for Peyton Thorne, don't you? As your starting quarterback, you have those expectations set. You know what amount of wins you want for this Auburn football team to have. You know the stats that you want Peyton Thorne to have this year. You know what type of quarterback you want Peyton Thorne to be. And if you do, give me a call. Let's talk about it. 334-321-1390. I have mine. Everybody does. Hugh Freeze has his. Philip Montgomery has his. So when you get named to a list like this, the Golden Arm Watch list, 
you're already being recognized as a, a talented quarterback. You're already being recognized as a talented player. But then the expectation is there. The added expectations from your own fans and your own coaches. This is people outside of your program in the game of college football. And they know that about Peyton Thorne. They do. They know that. They've seen it. They have seen it on the field at Michigan State. You can't tell me, after going back and watching his 2021 highlights, when he had talent around him, and we've talked about the difference between 21 and 22 Michigan State and difference between 21 and 22 Peyton Thorne. He didn't have a stud at running back. He didn't have a good offensive line. He didn't have a good team around him at all. And he didn't have a great year in 22. But the year that he did have a good team around him, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. In the country. He had Michigan State pushing for a college football playoff. They obviously fell short. But he had them playing some of the best football in the nation. And so I think for Peyton Thorne to be on a list like this, I think it's good. I think it's good that Auburn has a quarterback getting recognition like this for being an upperclassman quarterback and one of the best ones in college football. It's exciting. And I think for, for somebody like Hugh Freeze, he can use that, right? Not that he will, but he can. And it just adds to what Auburn fans are wanting out of the starting quarterback position, no matter who it was, no matter if it was Peyton Thorne, no matter if it was Robbie Ashford, whether it was Holden, the expectation is there. Auburn fans want the starting quarterback to be good, make the right plays, make the right decisions, don't turn the ball over. And there's also an expectation for the guys in front of him to give him time. There's also an expectation for the guys that stand to the side of him and behind him to make the right runs and get down the field and take some stress off the quarterback. There's also the expectation for the receivers out wide to the left and right to get open and catch the football. So what all of this means, what all of these different guys, Keldrick Falk, Jarquez Hunter, Cam Stutz, Nehemiah Pritchett, Peyton Thorne, all of these guys being named to these watch lists and all SEC teams, it's all preseason hype. And that's what we're here for right now. We're still 10 days away. We're 10 days away from the start of Auburn football. That's what we're here to do, is get excited, get hyped up, set some expectations. Because I've told you 2023 is going to be a fun year for Auburn. And you're going to have some guys that get recognized by the end of this thing as some really good players in this conference. On both sides of the ball, on special teams, I think Auburn's special teams is going to be one of the best in the conference. With McPherson, who apparently hit a 63-yarder in practice live the other day, according to one of the players today. How about that? How about Auburn having a kicker that hit a 63-yarder in live practice? I'll take that. You have Oscar Chapman, who very well could be the best punter in the league, and a pretty good handful of options for punt and kick returner. I think special teams is going to be really good this year. So keep that in mind as well. All of that is to get you excited, get you hyped up, get you ready for the start of Auburn football in 10 days. I hope you are, because I am. And you should be. There's a lot to be excited about. The players, the coaches, the scheme, the atmosphere that will be revived in Jordan-Hare Stadium around this town, you can feel it already. And you should be excited. 
for 2023. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. I want to hear from you on a Wednesday afternoon. Our question of the day coming up, what are some of your biggest college football bowl projections and predictions? Who's your college football playoff final four as we're 10 days away from Auburn football? We're less than that. We have football this weekend, folks. We're watching college football this Saturday. I want to hear your biggest picks and predictions for the season. 334-321-1390. The Wednesday edition of On the Line continues when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. I gave you the question before we went to break, and I want to hear what you have to say because it's the time of the year where you got to start making picks, you got to start making predictions, call your shot right before uh, the college football season gets underway this weekend for week zero and then 10 days from now for week one of the college football season. Some of your biggest college football predictions who's going to make a bowl game where does Auburn go in a bowl game does Auburn make a bowl game this year uh your uh, college football playoff predictions all of that type of stuff what do you got for me I want to hear from you 334-321-1390 I'll give you some of mine and I'm going to kind of drop these in as the next few days go on as we get closer to the official start of college football with week one um but there's so many different picks and predictions and and storylines going into this 2023 season and there are the common picks for the playoff right there are Georgia and Michigan and Ohio State right those those teams making it to the playoff those are the easy picks and predictions um you've got people picking Alabama at times you have some teams that aren't getting as much love, but you'll still see sprinkled in there a little bit. USC, Oregon, um, Florida State, LSU, right? Those teams that may not actually make it, but you could see how they could make it. Um, I'll just tell you where uh, ESPN, uh, I'm looking through this article to see if they have Auburn predicted. I have not looked at this yet, so I don't know if they have Auburn predicted as a bowl game or not. You know me if you've been listening to this show. Auburn's making a bowl game. All right, Auburn is making a bowl game in 2023, and I am extremely confident about that, and for two reasons. One, because Auburn is better than people think they are, and two, just about every team makes a bowl game anyway because they, they've got it down now. What, you have to win two games to make a bowl game? No, not really. You can get in at five and seven, though, which I think is ridiculous. Um, there are so many bowl games nowadays. It's just kind of, it's just kind of insane, but um, no, I think Auburn – will make a bowl game, and I don't think we'll be stressing about it by the end. Uh, I think Auburn Auburn will have bowl eligibility by late, like mid to late season. Like I, I'm just confident in that. And uh, one ESPN writer has Auburn playing UAB in the Birmingham Bowl, so take that for what you will. Uh, that's not going to get too many Auburn fans excited. It would be kind of cool to play UAB in Birmingham for the Birmingham Bowl, but Auburn fans have played that one. They, they've been to that one a few times. They're okay to, to miss that one again. And, um, look, I just think Auburn Auburn's a bowl team. They have enough talent to make it to one of the 50 million bowl games that exist. Um, when it comes to just 
predictions for the college football season. I told you yesterday, I think, that you need to enjoy this year. Maybe that was on Monday. You need to enjoy this year for college football because it's going to be it's going to be the last true year that we have known and come to know of college football for the last 10 to 15 years, right? This is going to be the last time that it looks the way it has looked for a long time. Because after this year, we all know the shakeups that are happening. We all know the the shakeup and the and the changes that are being made for different teams and different conferences and different alignments and different ways of naming champions and a different college football playoff. It's all going to change after this year. And so that's my biggest that's my biggest statement and biggest preach to you is enjoy this season. Take it in. Stay up and watch Pac-12 after dark because it will not exist next year, right? This is the last year you're going to see Washington take down Oregon in a Pac-12 after dark or watch USC and UCLA battle it out at 1 o'clock in the morning on your TV, on your couch. Like, this is the last year you're going to get to see that. And so embrace that and take it all in. Predictions and picks-wise, I mean, looking for you know crazy storylines. Um, you look at the rankings of the conferences right now, I think most people still want to say the SEC is the best conference because of the teams at the top. You have Georgia, LSU, you have Alabama. Um, if Texas A&M decides they want to be anything for the first time ever under Jimbo Fisher, I don't know. Um, realistically, the SEC is still probably the best conference in college football. But I've told you that the Pac-12 is going to be good. They're going to be good, but you're not going to know it because they're going to beat up on each other. They're going to do it. They're going to beat up on each other, and it's going to be sad because they're going to have some really good teams that are willing and, and, and really eligible and able to make it to a college football playoff. But you won't see it because teams like Washington – and Oregon, and USC, and Oregon State, don't forget about the Beavers, they're all going to beat each other at some point and knock each other out. They're going to knock each other out in a four-team playoff. When it extends, it won't be that big of a deal. It won't be as big of a deal, I should say. But the Pac-12 is going to have some really good teams. You do have Colorado, which we obviously know is a massive story going into this season. I don't think it'll be a storyline two or three weeks in, but there's some still some really good teams. Utah is in the Pac-12. Watch out for Utah, right? They're a really good team. They have a chance to get off to a really hot start and beat Florida, which I think they will. They should have beat them last year. So watch out for that conference as well. I think ranking them, I keep going back and forth between SEC and Pac-12. I can't fully decide what I want to do on that. I'll pick the SEC, then the Pac-12, then oh, then the Big Ten. I don't feel good about that either. Big 12 and then ACC. The ACC is a bad conference. It's a bad conference. There's two teams in it and then everybody else. Florida State's going to win that conference. I'll go ahead and tell you that. I'll jump on that train as well. Florida State will win that conference. The Big 12... The Big 12 confuses me because of their new team that they added this year. Interested to see how those four teams adjust to playing true Power 5 football with Cincinnati and Houston, uh, BYU and UCF. Interested to see what they do as well. But 
I'm still coming up with some of my biggest predictions and biggest hot takes, if you will, for this 2023 year. But my biggest just statement in general, soak it all in. Enjoy it because it's going to change a lot. Not that the, the excitement won't be there moving forward, going down the road for college football, but it's just going to look so different. With teams moving from out west to the Big Ten, from teams moving from the Pac-12 to the Big 12, teams from the Big 12 to the SEC, Pac-12 disappearing in front of our eyes, ACC is not far behind them. Times are changing, and you got to enjoy this season for what it is before everything becomes completely different. When we come back, though, we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, get his thoughts and updates from Athens, talking about the Georgia Bulldogs, plus Carson Beck getting some early Dark Horse Heisman votes in love. I just don't know. Maybe we should pump the brakes on that. We'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 when we come back. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We're halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds at the back of Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. And as always, in hour number one on Wednesdays, it's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us on the phone lines. Jordan, we're 10 days away, man. I know it's busy for you, but we appreciate your time as always. Definitely, yeah. I mean, the countdown is on. Hard to believe we're only two weeks away from from the start of uh, really week one, but uh, pretty crazy to think about week zero getting underway this Saturday, and uh, football is upon us, Jacob. Are you going to be taking in any of the week zero games this weekend? I mean, look, it's college football, and and to me, Jordan, it seems like there's actually a few games that are interesting in week zero for where I don't feel like we've had that in years past. Yeah, you know, I feel like it's going to be for me sort of like watching NFL preseason I don't know if I'll be glued to some of these games but you know like UTEP Jacksonville State I'm trying to think of some of the other early games Vanderbilt Hawaii um, I'll probably watch them but probably won't be quite as glued uh, to the television as I will be uh, next time uh, you know, next week well, Jordan, uh, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had a chance and Kirby Smart had a press conference today with the media is that right? Yes, yeah, we talked to him uh, earlier today. Uh, well, you know you know the question, you know what's coming, what he have to say, and uh, uh, what, what were some things that he said that maybe caught your ear that were interesting? Well, I think the biggest thing is that they've lost a running back. Sophomore Branson Robinson had a ruptured patella. Going to be out for the season. Pretty significant loss. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know that he would have been the starting running back, but uh, he was a guy they were relying on to play quite a bit. Um, and he had been dealing with a foot injury. seemed like he was going to be able – to bounce back from that, and uh, then he had this step back actually during Tuesday's practice. So that was a big chunk of the conversation was sort of figuring out what they're going to do next. You know, Kirby sounded um, still very optimistic in the room, the options they have. Um, but there's no doubt that that is a big loss. And really other than that, um, so like on the injury front, uh, they, they got pretty good news uh, trying to get some of the guys that have been banged up back uh, offensive tackle Ernest Green, who's probably going to be starting at left tackle. Um, Raylan Wilson, who 
So freshman inside linebacker, he's still working his way back from a hyperextended knee, but uh, no tears, so that was definitely a good sign. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, the talk was about running back and uh, what they're going to be able to do uh, now that Branson Robinson is out for the year. Well, uh, what did I mean? What's Kirby's plan? We know Georgia has had uh, some some studs at running back over the years. We know the offensive line has helped them out tremendously. But I mean, what does Georgia do to try to find uh, their next uh, their next few running backs that have been so good? The next Sony Michelles of the world there in Athens. Yeah, they're going to have to rely on committee, and I think they would have done that even if Branson Robinson wasn't hurt. Um, but Kendall Milton's been banged up. They need to get him healthy. And Kirby said today that he had started getting more reps in practice, which is a good sign. I've seen some reports out there that Dejan Edwards, another running back, has been banged up as well. We're actually going to go watch uh, 10 or 15 minutes of practice in about half an hour. So we're going to check in and see if Dejan Edwards is in a non-contact jersey or if he's participating at all. Um, and then they've got um, you know, some younger running backs, Andrew Paul, who's a redshirt freshman who tore his ACL last year. Uh, he seems to have come on strong during fall camp, and I think that gives you reason uh, to feel decent, you know, knowing a guy that was not available last year has made strides and could wind up help carry in the load. Uh, Roger Robinson's a true freshman. We've heard some good things from him, but he's still new and he's still sort of learning the ropes. And I think one thing that will benefit Georgia is. They've got some pretty good walk-ons. We've heard quite a bit about Cash Jones, and Savon Clark has played a good bit in the past, and Lennon Whitehead uh, had played some at Tennessee before transferring to Georgia. So I don't know if you're going to see an 1,000-yard back out of this group, especially. You know, I really thought had Brant Thromson been healthy, he had a chance to wind up being uh, the top running back when it was all said and done. Um, but I think they can get the job done by committee, and I think you'll see several of these guys playing and uh, contributing what they can to get this running game moving along. Well, Jordan, it's good to hear that Kirby's going to let you guys go over it and watch practice for a little bit. I know that it's been slim pickings on the times you have been able to uh, actually see this team play in person. Anything specifically you're going to be looking for in that short window? I think it'll be interesting to watch Carson Beck. This will be the first time we've gotten to watch him since he was officially named the starting quarterback. Uh, he was uh, Kirby told those guys that about this time last week, and uh, he told the media on Saturday that Carson was, in fact, going to start. So I'll have a chance to really watch him. And really, other than that, it's kind of what we were just describing is watching the running backs and seeing how those guys work, how those guys come along. And uh, it'll be interesting, too, to check in on some other injured guys. Uh, ben Wolka, my coworker at Dogs 24-7, put on our board this morning that things are looking good for Smile Monday, one of the starting inside linebackers who's been limited for the better part of fall camp. So we'll keep an eye to see if he is out there. It sounds like he's progressing well, and uh, that might uh, raise some eyebrows if he is out there as he works his way back from injury. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You bring up the point about Carson Beck officially being named the starter for the Georgia Bulldogs. It was something that you have been telling us for the last few weeks was the expectation. But now that he has been named the starter, does that give a little ease of mind to Kirby Smart, to the Georgia fans, and to you especially, you know, just with Carson Beck being named the starter how does that ease the mind of everybody around the program? I think probably the biggest thing is for Carson and his teammates as a whole, you know, that they know that he's going to be the guy and they can kind of hone in on what they've already been building through the spring and the summer. I mean, coming into fall camp, it felt like a pretty safe bet that Carson was going to win that job. I think it was really on him 
to just continue performing like he had done in the spring and through the summer. Um, so I think, too, we had a chance to talk to Carson on Wednesday, and uh, he sounded um, pretty excited, but he understood, you know, that there was a lot of pressure stepping into the situation that he was stepping into. And it was really interesting. Someone asked him, you know, if there's anything he had learned from watching Stetson these last few years. And he pointed out that, you know, Stetson was criticized quite a bit. I mean, you know, going into that 2021 team and then winning the national championship, a lot of people felt like, you know, they won it in spite of the quarterback play. And Stetson comes back and has an even better season and helps Georgia win it again. So uh, Carson has gotten a good exposure to guys that have been criticized. And you can go ahead and bet that, you know, Carson's going to have his ups and downs. And um, you may hear some boo birds. You may hear some fans on message boards like ours or, you know, on social media that want to see something else. Uh, but I think Carson's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he understands what he's stepping into. And based on what he had to tell us, I think he's excited about the opportunity. Well, it helps when you've got uh, some some fantastic playmakers around you as a quarterback. And Brock Bowers being one of the best players in all of college football that will be running up and down the field catching balls from him this fall. Definitely. And, I mean, the offensive line, they are very, very excited about these guys. We talked to Warren for instance, one of the defensive tackles last night. And, uh, you know, I asked him about one of his teammates at defensive end, and he was like, look, I mean, he's good, but, like, we can't do a whole lot at practice just because of how good this offensive line is. He was like, you know, I could probably count on one hand how many times we've gotten after the quarterback just because of the wow. offensive line. So I think that helps Carson Beck tremendously. That Yeah, he's going to be starting for the first time, but he's got an excellent offensive line in front of him and one that, you know, it's finished runner-up for the Joe Moore Award the past two seasons, and I think it's got a legitimate chance uh, to be up for the award again and, and maybe come home with it this time. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joins us every Wednesday here on the show at 2.30 on ESPN 106.7. As we get closer, Jordan, to the start of the season, Georgia not playing the uh, toughest schedule this season. I know a lot of people outside of Athens talk about Georgia playing in that SEC East. Uh, you're starting with UT Martin and Ball State before uh, that you welcome South Carolina to Sanford Stadium there in Athens before playing UAB and then Auburn. So what does the start of the season for Georgia, how does it help them where you play those two smaller games before you welcome in a talented South Carolina team, but you're having them at home before not making your first road trip until end of September? I think it helps in one aspect of sort of the talk of today, which is running back, that they can kind of get, uh, they're not going to admit this, but what is essentially a few dress rehearsals under their belt. and They can sort of see what these running backs have to show and what they're up to and, and what they can count on in some of those bigger games. And, and even besides that, you know, there's a few competitions that I think are ongoing, and the biggest one is cornerback opposite Kamari Lassiter. And Kirby said, you know, no one's really established himself, no one's really uh, become the clear-cut guy to start at that position. Uh, but, you know, with these kind of games early in the season, you get an opportunity to get different guys out there. You may sort of mix and match and see how guys play together and see what they're capable of. So I think that these early games give you an opportunity, if you haven't really settled on one guy starting at certain positions, you can sort of throw different guys out there, maybe get a couple guys in the mix over a series of possessions and see what they're able to do. Um, you know, obviously they're going to respect the opponent, and I don't expect Kirby Smart to be like, yeah, you know, we're going to play the starters for a quarter and a half, and then we're getting everybody else in the mix. But it sets up well where you can do that, and it's going to benefit Georgia, especially in some of these spots uh, where they haven't really made up their mind on who's going to start in the long term. 
It doesn't really matter where you look, Jordan. Georgia is a favorite to win the SEC, a favorite to make it to the college football playoff, and even a favorite to to three-peat as national champions in college football. If Jordan Hill were to write a synopsis on how it were to be done for Georgia to go back-to-back-to-back in 2023 to become national champions, what would you put on that list? What has to happen this year for Georgia to three-peat? I think uh, the biggest thing is just Carson Beck not to turn the ball over a whole lot. I mean, I think that's sort of the key. of When you look at the 2022 season, Seth and Bennett did such a good job of being efficient, not forcing things. And, you know, when you do that in the offense that Carson's stepping into, I think it's going to be really productive. Even if we have questions at running back, which I think are warranted, they have a ton of playmakers at receiver. You have Brock Bowers, and you have talent behind him at tight end. So if you get a guy like Carson back out there who takes care of the football, who understands he doesn't have to have it all on one play, uh, I think that sets you up well, one, because of the playmakers you have around them, but also just the, the amount of talent they have on defense. I think this defense you can already count on. Being one of the nation's best once again, it sort of starts and stops right now at Georgia with quarterback, King Carson Beck take care of the football and sort of play within himself. If they do that, especially with the way the schedule sets up, I think they're going to be in the playoff once again, and then it'll be up to them to have two really good games in those playoffs and to try to win the third straight national title. And would you say that in the East it's Tennessee that is the team that will threaten Georgia the most, and then uh, if you had to pick a team from the West that will challenge Georgia in the SEC championship, who would it be and why? I keep looking at Alabama. I know LSU was a popular pick, and I think LSU's got a lot of talent, but I just am not ready to count out Alabama. I think that they've got a whole lot of talent. I think the key, especially in probably this first month, is how Alabama figures out their quarterback situation. But if they do that, I still think that Alabama is a national title contender. That game between them and LSU is going to be one worth watching, and you can bet that we're all going to be tuned in uh, when they play that game. But I keep looking at Alabama. I'm expecting the Crimson Tide to not go away quietly as good as LSU is. And uh, I think that, you know, in the East, I think it's Tennessee. And I'd probably put Kentucky up next, but I still think uh, in the division, Tennessee is definitely the biggest threat. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joins us every Wednesday here on the show talking all things Georgia football, Georgia athletics, and uh, getting everybody updated on what's going on with the Georgia Bulldogs. As always, man, enjoyed it. And uh, let everybody know where they can find you, all your content, and what you got coming up between now and kickoff. Definitely, dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at dogs247. And yeah, countdown is on, stories from practice, several interviews today, and, uh, you know, continue getting ready for game week. I'm expecting to have a Carson Beck profile in the lead up to that UT Martin game. So, very busy time of year, but a very exciting time. And definitely ready to be back between the hedges and to see Georgia kick this season off. As always, enjoyed it, man. I appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you next week and preview kickoff for the Georgia Bulldogs. Sounds great. Appreciate it, Jacob. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, joins us every Wednesday at 2.30 here on the show, getting you up to date, caught up on what's happening with Georgia football. Uh, We know Carson Beck was named the starter over the weekend for Georgia. Uh, He spoke with the media, including Jordan, today and uh, had some interesting things to say. And Kirby said, look, he played the best. He, he, he's the best one there, and he's played better than everybody else, and so that's why Carson Beck will get the nod for Georgia when they open up the season against UT Martin. When
When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one, plus getting into hour number two, ranking SEC schedules based off of difficulty in 2023. Going to be a fun conversation. Come on in and join me on a Wednesday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Joins us every Wednesday getting you caught up on what's happening in Georgia football. They get underway in 10 days against UT Martin uh, and then Ball State before they welcome in South Carolina and uh, again Carson Beck being announced the starter for Georgia not really a surprise Um, that was really the direction it had been leaning for a while something Jordan had been telling us about for the last few weeks and so um, look not surprised that it's Carson Beck there's still talent in that room there's no doubt about it Uh, there is talent in that room and Carson Beck I think is going to be a really good quarterback will there be some growing pains and adjusting pains sure but as I said to Jordan it helps when you've got a really good offensive line. You've got guys like Brock Bowers who can run down and catch pretty much any ball that they want to. And you've got a defense that's not going to let up more than 20 or 24 points a game. So it's not going to be, I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult for Carson Beck because it will, but he's going to be just fine. And Kirby Smart has proven already he knows what he's doing. This entire team and the entire staff knows what they're doing. And so I think Carson Beck's going to be just fine. There are some really random lobs of um, Carson Beck, dark horse for the Heisman, and that he's going to be in New York City for the ceremony. I don't think so. I really don't. Let, let's just let's slow down a little bit on Carson Beck being in New York for a Heisman ceremony. Um, not saying he's not going to have a good year. Not saying Georgia's not going to have a good year. But I don't think Carson Beck is going to just light the world on fire and blow everybody away with his performance in 2023 and you know what three months from now four months from now we may be sitting here and I may have to come on here and tell you that I was completely wrong and if that's the case I will but just don't think that's going to happen with Carson Beck what will help Carson Beck is that schedule for Georgia and coming up in this second hour we're going to I'm going to give you my rankings one through 14 toughest to easiest schedules in the SEC coming up in 2023 for college football. And I'll go ahead and give you a little spoiler. Georgia's at the very bottom. They have the easiest schedule in the SEC, and it's not even close. It's not even close. They don't make a road trip until the end of September, borderline October, when they come to Auburn. They open up with UT Martin, Ball State, their tough game against South Carolina, which is in Athens on September 16th. Then they welcome in UAB, which won't be an easy game, but Georgia won't have an issue. Then they travel to Auburn on September 30th. So they don't make a road trip for the first month of the year. That's a huge benefit. Huge, huge benefit. And three of those teams are their so-called cupcake games, right? They're smaller opponents that they're going to handle with ease. Then you look down the rest of it. They have Kentucky at home. They have the Florida game neutral site, which Florida's going to be bad this year. You do have to take, or no, you get Ole Miss at home. Sorry, you get Ole Miss at home if you're Georgia. 
and you have to go at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech. You have two tough games on the road this year, three tough games in general, South Carolina, at Auburn, and at Tennessee. That's it. Kentucky at home will be tough, but you're at home. Georgia's not going to worry about that. Georgia's going to roll in that game against Kentucky at home. Georgia has the easiest schedule in the SEC. It's not even close. And that'll help Carson Beck, no doubt, because he's going to be beating up on crappy teams. And then he'll run up against a good team in the SEC championship game, and we'll see what he's made of. We'll talk about SEC schedules coming up in hour number two. I want to hear from you. Who's got the easiest and toughest schedule in the conference in 2023? Give me a call. I want you to be a part of this. 334-321-1390 plus Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us in hour number two. Who's starting at quarterback for the Crimson Tide? We'll ask him coming up in this second hour. All that coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast or just search On the Line wherever you get those podcasts or at ESPNAU.com. It'll be uploaded commercial-free right after the show today uh, so we uh, talked about numerous Auburn players that are Auburn football players that is uh, that are on some preseason watch lists some preseason awards lists uh, all that good stuff so talked about those guys and what that means uh, for for those players in particular and how I think you're going to see even more players make some of those watch lists and, and get those awards by the end of the year and so I uh, talked a lot about that Plus, I uh, talked with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 and got some updates from uh, Georgia football, including Carson Beck being named the starter, what the expectation is for him, uh, how the guys around him are going to help him perform and try to carry Georgia to their third national championship. So if you missed any of that, uh, go catch up with the podcast after the show today, ESPNAU.com. Coming up here, though, in hour number two, we're going to get to the phone lines in just a second. Then I'm going to give you my rankings of the toughest to easiest schedules in the SEC 
for football this coming year in 2023. Ranking them from the easiest to the toughest, right there in the middle and everybody in between, uh, should be a lot of fun. I want to hear from you and your thoughts on that. Who has the toughest schedule in the SEC for college football this year? Who has the easiest schedule in your mind in the conference this year? Where do you put Auburn's schedule in that ranking as well? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us later on in this hour as well. But let's get to the phone lines to start this second hour and terry you're on the line what's up man hey jacob how you doing man i'm doing great terry how are you pretty good uh jacob i was listening to your first hour guest or the guy from uh dog nation or whatever he's from uh, jordan hill are, yep. the other, are the other teams in the SCD even gonna suit or should they just turn in their equipment now <laughs> because i mean he, to listen to him talk is it's just worthless pointless i mean i mean i, we I know george is talented on, terry I've gone on record to say I think Auburn is going to beat Georgia. You have. You've, you're still on and, that and, train, and I, huh? I am. I am. I don't. I look. One thing to do it in practice. Nothing to do it in the game. And it's nothing to do it with ninety thousand people screaming at you. Yeah, I mean they've they've been so, doing it in games for two years, Terry. They're back to back champs. Well, true with Stetson Bennett, who I didn't like, but hey, the guy's in that two time national champion. Yeah, he is. I, mean, I, I, whether look, you, I whether dog you, him as much as anybody. I know. I know. I was about to say whether you like him or not, he is a back to back champ. No, and 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 uh, he'll 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 win a backup or a third team on the NFL. He'll make a ton of money, and someday he'll be on the SEC Network. Well, but, there you go. But uh, you know, living the life of luxury. But hey, listen, I just I, I look the two times you know, I get it, but I don't think I heard that kind of arrogance out of the Alabama fans. Mm, I don't know. I so, mean, well, look, I mean, you know, Jordan is a uh, you know he's a reporter, so not not technically a fan. But you know who signs his paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Georgia. Georgia's got talent, and, and Kirby sure. Smart has proven to be a fantastic head coach. And whether Carson Beck is the answer at quarterback or not, we're going to find out. But I think my point still stands on this, Terry, where the talent around him is really good. Now, he did say Jordan talked a lot about the running back issues over there, Terry, so maybe there's a lot more pressure on Carson Beck, and maybe that leads to a loss or two for the dogs. Well, I think they're probably going to throw more than they ever have because he's probably a better passer, and they certainly are a better wide receiver. Yeah, and that's very true. And again, yeah, if the running backs continue to struggle or not be healthy, then yeah, they're they're going to have to throw the football more to to win football games. And their defense is good enough from what we know so far that I just don't think they're going to give up a whole lot of points this year. Now, see, Jacob, this is where I'm on. We heard for years after Alabama's tremendous 92 defense. I know you're too young to remember that, but. For years afterwards, how this defense is going to be better? It, it, you may have better talent, you may have you know good talent, whatever, but it just doesn't mesh as well. There's something about those kind of defenses are just good. And when you lose the kind of guys Georgia lost, you're going to have a hard time convincing me they're going to be as good. Yeah, I mean they may not have the the same killer mentality or the same you know strengths that the previous defenses did. I mean Georgia uh, a couple years ago had the best defense college football's ever seen, and and so I think it will be a little bit different, but. Terry, when you got the talent and you've got the coaching, it doesn't matter. It's all going to come together at some point. Right. I, I just I, look. I just think that that Georgia's somewhat very overrated. I think they're really good, but I think people are underestimating what they lost. And and I think it's going to be kind of like at Mississippi State. Now I know that's not that's to, totally the opposite side of the coin there. But I think they're underestimating the top, the loss of the left tackle is bigger than they think it is. Yeah, and that's and that's totally understandable, Terry. I will agree with you on this. I do think people are 
in a lot of the national media, a lot of people are writing off other teams in this conference like LSU, mm-hmm. Alabama, Tennessee, A&M, if they decide to do something to compete with Georgia because it seems like everybody right now is whipping out the Sharpie and writing in Georgia for the Final Four, and I just don't know if that's truly the case. You know, if the A&M does something like you mean fire Jimbo Fisher? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we did. I'm just glad it's here, Jacob. It's, it's, it's just fun to talk about it for months and months on end about this and that, but it's finally upon us here in the, in the next three, day, three or four days. Yes, it is. Football this weekend, and then all the big boys getting going next weekend, Terry. Yep. Appreciate it, Jacob. Have yep. a good day. Appreciate the call. Great to hear from you, Terry. 334-321-1390. Um, before I get into my schedule rankings, I'm with Terry a little bit when it comes to Georgia. Um, look, Georgia has the talents. They've got the recruiting classes. They've got the players. They've got the coaches. That you, you can't argue with that. But the point that I just told him and the statement I made, I believe everybody is just all in on the Georgia Bulldogs in that, oh, Georgia's going to be the representative out of the SEC. Nobody else has a prayer. Nobody else has a chance. They're going to beat either LSU or Alabama. It won't be close, and they're going to be national champions again. I just can't fully get behind that. Will Georgia be playing in Atlanta for the SEC championship? Of course they will, because they play two tough games all season long. How good are they going to be? I don't know. And I, we may not know until later on in the year where they have to go on the road and play Tennessee on November 18th. So that may be where we find out who Georgia is. But they're going to be there, and they're going to be competing. But there are other good teams in this conference. And I think there are teams in the SEC West – in the SEC East that can give Georgia a run for their money. Terry, appreciate the call. Always good to hear from you. Want to get into this, though, because I, I, this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. Ranking the SEC football schedules from easiest to toughest in 2023. And uh, I gave you a little, uh, little peek behind the curtain at the end of the first hour. George is at the bottom of this thing, and you can hear how I'm talking. They're at the bottom. All right, and we're going to work our way up and talk about some of these teams in particular, some of their schedules in particular. Won't go a deep dive into all of these. Um, but I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Who has the toughest schedule in the SEC in 2023? Who has the easiest schedule? If you don't think it's Georgia, who is it and why? And where do you put Auburn in there? I'm curious to what you think about that as well because Auburn has a tough schedule, but I don't think it's as tough as it has been in the past. 334-321-1390. I want to hear from you. But as we start, I'm going to work my way from the bottom to the top, starting with the easiest, working my way up. All right. Georgia has the easiest schedule, and it is not even close. I mean, it's it's not even close. Georgia has the easiest schedule in the SEC. And I'm not saying that with orange and blue glasses. I'm not saying that because it's Georgia. Look at the schedules. It's a fact. They play two tough games all year. Three, maybe. At Auburn and at Tennessee. That's it. And then it's a coin flip if you want to include either one of South Carolina and Kentucky. Because both of those games are being played in Athens, Georgia. Right? They're playing... South Carolina at home, Kentucky at home. Watch out. You got to go to Vanderbilt. You're playing Florida neutral site is going to be a bad football team. Their other West crossover is Ole Miss at home, who's not going to be a good team either. And then you end the year at Georgia Tech. Okay. You're playing at Auburn and at Tennessee. 
Georgia's going to beat Auburn more than likely. And Georgia is better than Tennessee. And even if they lose that game, they're still going to be fine. Georgia has the easiest schedule. It's not even close in this conference this year for 2023. You move your way up in the rankings here. And these are my personal rankings. And you can look, and I think there's some tough decisions in here because there's a lot of tough schedules in the SEC this year. I put Mississippi State at 13th, so the second easiest schedule. Um, You open up with Southeastern Louisiana. You play Arizona at home. Then you have LSU at home. There's a tough stretch in here where you play LSU at South Carolina, home for Alabama. That's tough for Mississippi State. Then you have road games at Arkansas and Auburn and at A&M, but they're all kind of spread out. And I think Mississippi State is a decent football team. What are they going to look like this year? We don't know. I mean, we just we just don't know. With everything that's happened with Mississippi State, I just don't know. But I put them at the second easiest schedule uh, in the SEC. You move up. I have Missouri at uh, 11th or 12th, excuse me. I have Missouri at 12th with uh, the when it comes to the easiest schedule in the SEC. Uh, you start three games in a row at home, including a game against Kansas State. Should be a lot of fun on September 16th. You have LSU at home, South Carolina at home, Tennessee at home, Florida at home. You do have to go to Kentucky and to Georgia and to Arkansas, but those are all spread out by two games apiece. So Missouri should have a chance to be okay. Are they a good team? I don't think so, but their schedule is not too bad. So credit to them. Maybe they can make something out of it there in Columbia. You move up to 11th, and again, bottom to top, easiest to hardest, I have Texas A&M. Their schedule's not hard. It's not. They have all but one of their big games at home. Besides the Miami game week two. All right, besides the Miami game, because that's a tough game, but it is out of conference. They have Auburn at home. They play Arkansas neutral site. They have Alabama at home. They have South Carolina at home. Their SEC East crossover. They have Mississippi State at home. They go to Tennessee and to LSU. Overall, everything's spaced out pretty well, and Texas A&M has a chance to to go on some runs in that that schedule. And if they can finally figure it out, maybe they can piece together some wins. I think they have the fourth easiest schedule in the conference. I really do. They have a chance to do something this year. But Texas A&M is one of those schools. It's like a Penn State. They're always right there, most of the time. But until they do it, until Jimbo does it, I'm not going to believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. With Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, like Terry said, maybe they'll decide to do something after they fire him. I don't know. But Texas A&M, schedule won't be an issue for them in 2023. Moving on to the top 10 of toughest schedules in the SEC this year. And again, give me your thoughts. I want to I get your, your opinions. Do you agree, disagree? I uh, would love to, to, to get your thoughts on this. I have LSU at 10. All right, I have LSU as the 10th toughest schedule because it's just not bad. It's really, really not. They have a couple tough road games. Um, you play at Alabama – And that's kind of it. I mean, you could put them lower on this list if you really wanted to. They open up with Florida State. That's a tough game. 
That's a really tough game because Florida State's a good team. You go at Mississippi State for your SEC opener, not bad. Arkansas at home, Auburn at home, Florida at home, A&M at home. That's why I put them so low on this list. Yeah, you got to go at Alabama, at Missouri, at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State. Their road games are not bad at all. They have one tough road game at Alabama. So LSU's got a chance to really do something special this year and start off on a hot streak. If you can beat Florida State out of the gate, watch out for LSU. You're going to beat Grambling. You're going to beat State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri. You're going to beat them all. And then you've got Auburn coming to town. Where? Auburn's going to be coming off of that game against Georgia. It'll be after Auburn's bye week. So that has a chance to, to, to really set up to be an exciting game there in Baton Rouge. Army at Alabama and then home, home, and home against Florida, Georgia State, Texas A&M. LSU is 10th on my list. I'll give you the, the back half, and then we'll get to the top half here uh, after the break. I have Kentucky at 9 when it comes to toughest schedules in the SEC this year. They play in the SEC East, and you're going to see a lot of, of SEC West teams on the other side. Kentucky plays in the East. How hard can your schedule be? right? How hard can it be when you have to play two tough teams your entire season? And that's why Kentucky is on the bottom half of this list. They don't play a meaningful game until Florida on September 30th. And I think Kentucky will roll in that game, which means you don't play a meaningful game until October 7th. Kentucky opens up with Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, all at home. You go to Vanderbilt, okay. Florida comes to Lexington, where I think Kentucky will roll. And then you go to Georgia. That's tough. You have Missouri at home. You have Tennessee at home. So your two biggest games of the year One of them's at home and one of them's on the road at Mississippi State. Here's where it gets tough. Your SEC West crossover for the Wildcats is Alabama. But you get them at home. You get them at home. So maybe there's a chance. At South Carolina, at Louisville, a tricky end for the Wildcats. I put them at nine. Vanderbilt is at eight. I don't think anybody truly wants to hear about their schedule that they kind of play uh, a somewhat tough schedule at Florida Georgia Auburn comes to town at South Carolina at Tennessee not a whole lot of fun for Vanderbilt who I still think makes a bowl game by the way I still have them going six and six and making a bowl game does Vanderbilt in 2023 we'll take a break come back I want to give you the top half the toughest schedules in the SEC plus where Auburn ranks in their as well from hardest to easiest we've got seven down seven to go and you can call in give your thoughts on it as well 334-321-1390 we'll continue the sec schedule rankings right after this you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app All right, let's continue here on our SEC football schedule rankings for 2023, ranking the easiest to the toughest. Uh, If you missed the back half of this, easiest to toughest, 14 through 8, starting at the bottom, Georgia, Mississippi State, Missouri, Texas A&M, LSU, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. These are my, this is my list, my opinion. It is 100% right. You cannot change my mind on this, and uh, you should adopt this as well and, and take this to every party that you go to this fall. So moving on to the top half of actual tough schedules in the SEC this year. 
this is where it gets interesting, okay? This is where I really had to compare schedules side by side and be like, all right, who has a tougher schedule in these certain situations? And I came up with the seventh spot, Tennessee, and they do have a tough schedule, okay? They open up with Virginia to open up the year. Not a big deal. Tennessee will be just fine. Your third game of the year, however, you're on the road at Florida. And not that I think Florida is going to be a good team, but it's still early on. And maybe Florida hasn't truly had their souls ripped out yet after they get beat by Utah in week one. But no matter how good or bad Florida is, you're going to the swamp and they're going to be up and ready to play Tennessee. You have South Carolina at home. You have Texas A&M at home. You're in Tuscaloosa this year. Then here's the three-game stretch. Are you ready for this for Tennessee? Home against Texas A&M, at Alabama, and at Kentucky. That's the three-game stretch that they're going on. That's not easy. That's not easy at all. You get two SEC West opponents back-to-back for an SEC East squad. Then you're going to play the third best team in the SEC East on the road. So that's tough. You have a random game against UConn in there at Missouri, Georgia, and then Vanderbilt. So I think Tennessee, while you could maybe move them around a little bit in these rankings, I think seven's a fair spot for them. It's a tough schedule. If they get through that stretch of A&M, Bama, and Kentucky with maybe just one loss, then you're, you're in business if you're Josh Heupel in Tennessee. Moving up to number six, I'm going to kind of move a little quicker here, South Carolina. And I put South Carolina here because they've got a tough start to the year and an easier end to the year. You open up against North Carolina neutral site, Georgia on the road week three, week five you're at Tennessee before your bye week. So all before that, you've got to play North Carolina and Drake May, Carson Beck in Georgia, and Joe Milton in Tennessee. Two of those games on the road. The two best teams in the SEC East, you played them in a three-week period on the road. And just for fun, squeeze Mississippi State in the middle of there which is not going to be an easy out this year. Then you're home against Florida, back-to-back road games at Missouri and Texas A&M. Here's where it starts to be a little more fair to the Gamecocks. Four straight games at home to end the year. Auburn had that a few years ago. It was nice. Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Clemson. So a chance to see what we saw last year from South Carolina, see it again this year where they built a ton of momentum there at the end of the season now we get to the top five all right top five toughest schedules in the sec for college football this season i put auburn at five i put auburn at five for a couple of reasons auburn still has a tough schedule they always have they always will it's going to get easier now that more teams are coming and we're changing the format of this thing but auburn still has what a lot of people would consider a really tough schedule. You're on the road at Cal in week two, and we've had a lot of discussion about this. Cal's not a good team, but you're traveling the entire length of the country in your second game of the year after not being battle-tested against UMass. That's going to be a tough trip for Auburn. All right, week four, you're at Texas A&M. And what's your reward for going to that game? You get Georgia coming back the week after that. Then you have your bye week, you're at LSU, 
You get Ole Miss and Mississippi State at home back-to-back. You make a trip to Vanderbilt, then a back-to-back trip to Arkansas before you come home for New Mexico State and home for Alabama and the Iron Bowl. It's just a weird schedule to me for Auburn. It's a really weird schedule, and it's easier than it has been in the past. You do get Georgia and Alabama both at home, but road games at A&M, LSU, Arkansas – back-to-back games with Ole Miss and Mississippi State where Auburn has not performed well in those games, it's going to be a sneaky schedule for Auburn, and they're going to have to find a way find a way to handle it. Moving up, one through four, uh, we'll give you four really quickly. Alabama, they have a tougher schedule than they have had in the past. Texas Week 2 at South Florida, weird game. Ole Miss at home at Mississippi State, then at Texas A&M. You come home for back-to-back games against Arkansas and Tennessee – LSU at home, at Kentucky, and at Auburn. It's a tough end for, for Alabama this year. Home against LSU at Kentucky, Chattanooga in there, and then at Auburn. Alabama, it's going to be a grind every single week for them this year. It's going to be a grind for them every single week in 2023. Arkansas at three, you could put these top three, I think these top two, well, Two and three, I think you could switch if you really wanted to. I have Arkansas at number three in the toughest schedules. The start of the year is not bad, but man, it gets tough as you go through. At LSU week four, A&M neutral site, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, home for State, at Florida, home for Auburn, and home for Missouri. Some weird games in there that Arkansas probably are coin flips for them. And if they don't go the right way, could be a nasty year in Fayetteville. I have Ole Miss at two. Quickly here, I have Ole Miss as the second hardest schedule in the SEC. At Tulane week two, why in the world would you do that? At Alabama week four, LSU the following week, Arkansas the week after that. It's going to be a brutal start for Ole Miss. And it doesn't get easier. You're at Auburn. You have A&M at home. How about your SEC East crossover at Georgia? Oh, man. At Georgia for Ole Miss? Brutal. Who has the toughest schedule? The Florida Gators. Just go look at their schedule. It's going to be a brutal year for Billy Napier. And as much as I like the guy, I don't know if he survives 2023. I'm going to be honest with you. When we come back... Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us on the phone lines, giving us some updates from Tuscaloosa. Who's starting at quarterback? And do they have one of the toughest schedules in the SEC? We'll get his thoughts on it when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, we got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. And this guy, he never holds back when he's talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide. It is Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines. Austin, happy Wednesday, brother. Great to hear from you. Happy Wednesday. We're one week closer. Uh, we got college football this, this weekend, actually. So uh, we've, we've been doing this for a while now, but uh, it's, it's going to be the first time we do it during an actual college football week, I guess, here. Yeah, we actually have 
legitimate football to to discuss. Obviously, haven't can't talk about a game quite coming up yet for Alabama. But I've been asking all my guests so far this week, Austin. Are you, what games are you watching in Week Zero? Because you got to have them on, whether you're interested or not. You got to have something on this weekend. Absolutely, you got to have something on. It's like you know what, what what football fans have been doing for the last you know few weeks. You not hap- happily put it on, but. You'll throw a little NFL preseason <laughs> on, right? Just because it's a little bit of football. It's not it's not great. It's it's a little bit like the XFL and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, this weekend, I got to say, Notre Dame versus Navy is, is probably the headliner um, out there in Dublin. So that'll, that'll be the game to get started. Uh, we'll get to see Caleb Williams for the first time this year. You know, is he trying to defend his Heisman Trophy? Um, and then the SEC gets going this weekend, actually, with Vanderbilt taking on Hawaii and Nashville. Um, and if you've seen anything about the stadium, not looking great uh, in the end zones down there in Nashville for game week. So uh, they got to get that figured out. And uh, we'll see how Clark Lee's Commodores look this year. I don't think Hawaii, Hawaii will be the toughest test. But uh, the SEC does get started this weekend. Well, that they do. And, yeah, I, I don't know – I don't know what the thought process was when Vanderbilt decided, hey, it's two months before the year, let's tear down half the stadium and hope we get it done in time. It just doesn't seem like that was the best idea there in Nashville. No, it wasn't. Uh, but, you know, they've got, they, they, they think they have a bright future there. You know, Clark Lee, obviously, uh, they didn't make a bowl game in year one, but there was some progress there. And uh, as, as the seller of the SEC currently, you know, they're, they're trying to do everything they can to kind of, maybe return to, to James Franklin type of football that, uh, you know, Vanderbilt's maybe a bowl team every year, maybe win seven games on a good year. Uh, but the yeah, first things first, they got to get that. They got to get that stadium fixed up. Well, Austin, let's talk a little, as much as I know you want to talk about Vanderbilt, let's talk a little Alabama with them being 10 days away from the start of their season as we get closer and closer to what is officially going to be game week come Monday morning. What are some of those big storylines that Alabama, maybe you're concerned about, Alabama's concerned about, and most importantly, Nick Saban is concerned about? Yeah. You know, the, the position battles are still developing, um, and obviously the quarterback is the big one. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think there, it's, it's time to play football, right? I mean, we've talked so much this offseason about the question marks and, um, what, you know, what's it going to take for Alabama to get back to the playoff and not lose two games and, and win a national championship for the first time in three whole years, Jacob. Oh, three uh, whole which, years. You know, <laughs> oh, no. Which they haven't failed you know, they haven't failed to do that since Saban took over. I mean, they've won a national championship at least one every three years um, since 2007. So it's new territory for Alabama, and uh, they're going to have a new quarterback, and it's not going to be Bryce Young. And we, we've talked about all this different stuff, but I think they're ready to play football and, uh, you know, maybe see a different team in a different color for once, right? Yeah, and you bring up the quarterback situation. I mean, I know you've got to be tired of ask, being asked this question and having to, to cover this team with this question, but what is there any clarification when we could possibly get a starting quarterback named for Alabama as we're 10 days away? Uh, I think you're going to see that, you know, maybe a couple games before the couple days before the game. Um, I don't think it's, I still, it's not going to be announced today. We have Saban at, at 6 o'clock tonight. Um, and, you know, fall camp's technically over. They had their final scrimmage last week. Uh, you know, somebody asked, and he kind of gave them a little bit of a, a Nick Saban answer saying, yep, all three quarterbacks took snaps. They all passed the ball. They all took completions, and they all did some things that they shouldn't have done. Is that, is that what you want to know? And it was kind of like, well, no, not really, but that's all you're going to tell us. And, uh, you know, we're not surprised. 
So I do think it's a two. I think it's a two-man battle at this point, Jacob. I I just don't see um, a situation at this point in the season, which obviously could change if injuries happen or if it's bad performance. But I just don't see Tyler Buckner being the starter um, coming up next Saturday or really in, in any in any time this year. I just think it's a little bit. It was a little bit of a situation where it was too late for him uh, when he came into the program, and that could be a tough thing because he he had a little bit of playing time at Notre Dame last year, and. Uh, you know, now we're kind of looking back at his transfer decision. It's like, should he have done it? You know, obviously, when you transfer to Alabama, you're expecting to play, right? I mean, you're, you're coming from a different school, and you see the quarterback battle, and um, you say, I think I'm probably better than those two guys, and I'm just going to go in there and do it and then take it, and that didn't happen. So uh, I feel a little bit bad for Tyler Buckner. I, I think, you know, all the, the – if you want to call it collusion, you can. I mean, you had all this talk about Van Dyke from Miami going to Alabama, or maybe – it was going to be the North Carolina guy. And it was like, okay, you're Tyler Buckner in that spot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try it. Let's throw my name in there. Let's follow Tommy Reese. Let's go down there and see if I can become the starting quarterback at Alabama. A uh, story came out the other day, kind of saying that his, his goal coming here was just to go pro. And, you know, he had seen the guys before him do that. And now he's kind of sitting here as the third string quarterback thinking, what have I done here? I kind of had a little good, a little something going there in, in South Bend. And, and maybe he's the starting quarterback in Dublin on Saturday if he didn't transfer. So, uh, it, it was a little bit of a tough decision for him. I do think it's down to Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. Um, and I do think at this moment that, that Jalen Milrow, like I've said all summer, is going to be the first quarterback on the field. Um, and, you know, we'll go from there. Right? It's, it's Middle Tennessee State, so you're not going to learn anything new. Uh, you're going to probably see good things and bad things for both quarterbacks, all three. I mean, Buckner's going to get his chance on Saturday. I'm sure of it. But I just don't think that we're going to really find out and, and really can make observations about this position and the team until the Texas Longhorns come to town in week two. Maybe for, for Buckner it was just I uh, was trying to get out of Indiana and wanted to go to Alabama. Maybe he was tired of the snow, Austin. I don't know. Yeah, and, you know, I, I really – it's just such an interesting situation because, you know, when he came in, everybody assumed he was going to be the starting quarterback, right? You hear, you know, there, there's, there's quarterback troubles in Alabama. The two guys in there can't do anything. Oh, look, we got this shiny transfer from Notre Dame that already right. Tommy Rees and – it's all going to work out. It's going to be great. It's going to be just like, you know, we're just going to plug him in there and he's going to be the starter and Alabama's going to go to the national championship. But it didn't, it didn't end up that way. And he's kind of, he kind of got off the wrong foot by getting in so late. And, you know, once you get there late, you're not accustomed to the team. And yeah, you might know the offensive coordinator, but you got to get used to your teammates. You got to, you know, meet these guys. And if you're Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, you've been around these guys for multiple years now. They all know you. They trust you. Um, they've hung out with you off the field. I mean, all those little things matter. So uh, it's a tough spot for him, but I wouldn't say it's a 0% chance that he could be the quarterback this year. It's just I think he's a little bit behind the other two at this point. And I think even more importantly, you've got to get to know Nick Saban as your head coach, which we know is, is it's a tough thing to do. He's a tough lover, and, and he, he has reason to be that way. Talking with Austin Hannon of Bama Central, who joins us every Wednesday here on the show, when it being down to Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, from what you've seen, what you've heard, and what you know, Austin, give everybody, uh, give us and our listeners a uh, strength and a weakness of each one of those quarterbacks that could impact Alabama if either one of them end up being the starter, let's say, against Texas? Yeah. Well, I think everybody most, – most people are pretty familiar with, with Jalen Milrow. Um, he got a little bit of action last year. You kind of know what you're going to get with him, and you know, a lot of fans were hoping that there would be a big development in his passing game this offseason. I don't know if that's happened yet because I believe if that had happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation and he would be the quarterback because at Alabama – 
that's kind of how, how it is. You know, you got one guy in there, he ends up going to the NFL. Okay, cool, next guy up. That's Jalen Milrow. He was the backup last year. Um, he's, he's quote-unquote your number one starter this year right now. He had, you know, really developed as a passer, as we saw Jalen Hurst do at Oklahoma. And, and it really, you know, in the back half of his Alabama career, I think Jalen Milrow is the quarterback. And he's electric on the field with his legs. Uh, he's, he really is a skill player. I mean, it, you, you hate, like, drawing that. Um, observation about a guy when they're not a great thrower, but he really does have that. He is an excellent runner, uh, and I think he could play any position on the field, but it's just you've got to find a consistent passing game. I mean, it, it, especially in the way culture ball is now, you can't have an offense where you just run the ball over and over again, and that's, that's kind of what you know, Alabama's talked about, what they want to do this year, but you know, as a football fan, as a guy that covers football, you know that sometimes there's going to be a third down and nine on the road that you're going to have to pass the ball. You can't just assume that your offensive line and your running backs are going to be able to carry you for 12 games um, in the regular season. It's just mm-hmm. not going to be that way. You're going to have instances where you have to throw the ball. And I think that's a situation where Milrow's not there yet. I, I still don't think he's there yet. Um, I think he, he leaves the pocket too early. He wants to make too many big plays. Uh, he forces the ball in the double coverage. And he, he overthrows receivers. I mean, these are all things that you have to clean up uh, if you want to play quarterback in Alabama and you want to play quarterback in the SEC. And I think, you know, uh, for Ty Simpson, it's, consistency, right? I mean, this is a guy that it was coming out of high school as the number two or three quarterback, balanced quarterback in the country. And so when you see that, you go, oh, this guy's definitely got it, right? It's just he can't, he hasn't been able to, I don't think, do it on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, maybe enough to pass Jalen Milrow, right? It's not mm-hmm. that Tyson has been bad. It's just that he came in as the backup this year, obviously. And if you're the backup, you got to do extra to, you know, jump the guy in front of you. You can't just be just as good or just as inconsistent as the guy in front of you, or, or you'll never make that move. So um, I think Ty's got a higher ceiling as a passer than Jalen Milrow does. I think Jalen Milrow can do a lot of different things that Ty Simpson can't do. So um, I think maybe that's the good thing that Alabama's got going for them is that they've got two different kinds of quarterbacks. Um, so when that's the case, and not, not saying this is going to happen, but if you were to enter a situation where maybe you play both of them, you, maybe you try to at least – do a two-quarterback system for the first few weeks of the season to figure this thing out, you do have two different guys with two different skill sets, and I think that is a benefit. That was a great breakdown of of what these two quarterbacks are, really what Nick Saban is dealing with with uh, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson in that quarterback room for Alabama right now from Austin Hand at Alabama Central. He joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 here on On the Line. He'll be with us throughout football season uh, talking about this Alabama Crimson Tide team Austin, here on the show today, I gave my SEC schedule rankings for 2023, and I put Alabama at four of toughest schedules in the SEC because it seems like this is a tougher schedule than what we've seen in the past. We know any SEC West squad has a tough schedule no matter what, but Man, with games, obviously the Texas game in week two, you're going to South Florida in week three for whatever reason. Uh, You have Texas A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee back-to-back-to-back, and then LSU at Kentucky at Auburn in the final month of the season. This is going to be a tough sledding road for Alabama in 2023. Yeah, I think it says a lot, you know, really just about the conference as a whole. Um, You know, you're you're looking at the 12 games, Middle Tennessee State, you pencil that one in. USF went 1-11 last year. Um, I don't expect that being a football game. But that Texas game, I mean, I've talked about it all offseason. I just think that's a weird spot for Alabama. I I think it's extremely beneficial that it's on the home field. 
but I just I really do think that I'm not going to say Texas is back on their program, but I, I do think that they have a good football team this year, um, and I think they have a more experienced football team than, than they had last year, and that was a team that probably should have beaten Alabama uh, down in Austin in week two. So, yeah, and that that's with Bryce Young at quarterback. So uh, you got Ole Miss, who you, know, you kind of know what you're going to get with Ole Miss. You're they're going to score a lot of points. Uh, they've got some players back on offense. Of course, Quinshawn Junkins, who somehow got away from both Alabama and Auburn as a Pike Road kid. Uh, you got Lane Kiffin, and now you got Pete Golding on the defensive side. Maybe he can fix that up. You got to go to Starkville, who's got Will Rogers back. I mean, that's that's not necessarily the hardest game on your schedule, but it's not one of those that you just kind of skip over. You know, mm-hmm. you got to go to College Station, who Texas A&M, who's starting the year ranked. Jimbo, you know, can, can Jimbo get it figured out this year? It, two years ago, Alabama lost that game to Kyle Field. Arkansas, so much talent back. KJ Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, they come to Tuscaloosa. That gives you a little bit of a benefit. Uh, Tennessee and LSU, they both beat you last year. You get those games at home, but Tennessee's a dark horse to win the East. LSU, a lot of people think they should have been favored to win the West with Jaden Daniels back. So uh, that, that road trip to Kentucky, you know, that's another tough road game. And then we've talked about it before that I'm never going to, you know, count Auburn out when it's at Jordan Hare Stadium. So it, it does shape up to be a tough schedule. I think those games against Tennessee and LSU being at home and Ole Miss being at home helps you a lot in Texas, in that, you know, for a matter of fact. Uh, but th- there's a couple games on there that, you know, maybe there's there's a misstep. Um, I think Texas is going to be a big challenge just because, you know, the time of year it is. I think Alabama, by the end of the year, will be right, ranked higher than Texas. I think they'll be a better football team than Texas. But I think going into the second week of the season, Texas might be a more experienced football team, you know, especially at the quarterback position. Austin, one more before I let you go about this schedule. Is there, if you had to, I know it's tough at the beginning of the year, but if you could put a pin, if you had the schedule printed out on the wall and you had to put a pin on the game that is the focal point of the season where it could be a make or break for Alabama making it to Atlanta, making it to a college football playoff, and trying to win another national championship, where would you put that pin on the schedule and why? It's November 4th when LSU comes to town. Um, I, I fully expect that to be winner goes to the SEC championship. And you know as well as I do, if you go to the SEC championship, you're one win away from the playoff in most mm-hmm. cases um, and, every, and everything you're talking about. So um, Texas, obviously, is a game that they could lose early in the season, but that's not going to hurt you in the conference you know, scheme of things. and It's not going to hurt you really in the large scheme of things because you've got everything in front of you if you lose a non-conference game. Uh, but that LSU game, I mean, that, that's what it came down to last year, let's be honest. I mean, you could have you you could have afforded that that loss to Tennessee and Knoxville last year if you had beaten LSU uh, and made it back to the SEC title and you get to play Georgia and from there you never know. Uh, but last year they did lose that game to LSU and it ended up costing them a chance at the SEC championship and then you know and in return uh, a playoff bid as well. So um, I know that they'll be fired up for that game just like they will against Tennessee. It's, it's a team that beat them last year, Jaden Daniels and uh, you know Brian Kelly and them. They talked a lot this offseason about beating Alabama and you know, wanting to be favored in the West and all that. And so it's going to be kind of a bring-it game to the Tigers uh, in a very tough environment. And I think that that game, like it usually does, Jacob, will decide the SEC West and, uh, you know, in turn we'll probably get to decide who plays Georgia and then it gets a chance of stopping that three-peat this year. Well, that'll be November 4th against LSU there in Bryant-Denny Stadium, but a lot of teams to go through first for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Looking forward to the start of the season and looking forward to talking with Austin Hannon every single week here on the show. He writes for Bama Central. He covers the Alabama Crimson Tide better than anybody. Austin, we appreciate you every single week. It's always a fun time talking with you, brother. Let everybody know where they can find you, find all of your fantastic work and what you got coming up between now and the start of kickoff in just 10 days. 
Yeah, follow along with us on Bama Central. We'll, we will have, you know, live updates from tonight's press conference with Saban. We'll have content all season long, of course. Um, just not, not just football. I mean, we do it all. We cover basketball, baseball, softball, you name it. Um, if you want a little bit of a look into the Alabama stuff, as an Auburn fan, that's the place you want to be. And then on Twitter, Austin Hannon underscore is where you can find me updating you on all that kind of stuff. Awesome, man. I appreciate you as always. And, hey, we'll talk about the kickoff of Alabama football next week for game week, all right? I can't wait. Game week number one next time. Let's do it. That's right, man. Looking forward to it. That's Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line at 3.30. Always a blast. He tells you like it is. He doesn't hold anything back. He'll tell you what he thinks about Alabama and everybody else in the SEC. So looking forward to talking with him next week as Alabama gets set to take on Middle Tennessee. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Austin Hannon of Bama Central. He joins us every single week, Wednesday afternoons at 3.30 here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Talking all things Alabama, uh, we big uh, send out big thank yous to uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 as well. He joined us back in the first hour. It's Rivalry Wednesday here on the show. We're talking all things about Auburn's rivals here on the show. So if you missed any one of those interviews or any other conversations here on the show today, been a lot of fun uh, with you. And so uh, if you missed any of it, go and catch up with the podcast after the show today espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast we upload it commercial free right after the show so be sure uh, that you go and check all of that out I had a great conversation with jordan about Georgia football and Carson Beck being named the starter for the Bulldogs and then talked with Austin just now about who in the world's going to start for Bama what's it going to take he had a great breakdown of each quarterback Jalen Milrow Ty Simpson so if you missed that go check it out ESPNAU.com I also gave my SEC schedule rankings for this year uh, going 1 through 14, toughest to easiest. Uh, Georgia has the by far the easiest schedule in the SEC this year. I put Auburn at 5, so be sure you go and check out why I put them there and who I put at number 1. Their schedule, brutal. The Florida Gators, it is at Utah to open the year. Tennessee, game 3 of the season. Yes, you're at home. Doesn't matter. Tennessee's going to roll. At Kentucky, that's a loss. At South Carolina, that's a loss. You play Georgia neutral site, that's a loss. Arkansas comes to fate or comes to uh, Gainesville, but what's that team going to look like? Who knows? At LSU, at Missouri, then you finish with Florida State, who is much better than you. Ooh, it's going to be a rough year for Billy Napier down in Gainesville. But go check out my breakdown of all the schedules this year or any else of any other parts of the show at ESPNAU.com. Busy show tomorrow. Got a new guest on the show throughout high school football season. Auburn High's head football coach, Coach Etheridge, will join us on the show previewing their opening game against Hoover, plus Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC, and Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. So it's a busy show tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. Two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you later.